American Hammers Radio with Tex and Liam from the Fresno Irons. Hello and welcome into another edition of American Hammers Radio. This is episode 20 with your host, Tex of the Fresno Irons, and the one, the only, drink him in slowly, he always goes down smooth, the one and only Liam Bright. Liam, how are you this fine evening? Tex, I am absolutely fantastic, and it is a pleasure, nay, it is an honor to be back here on the show for my uh, epic second episode. I mean, it's, you know, so I'm so nice you had to have me back twice. I mean, is this a thing? (laughs) Are we starting a thing here? We might be starting a thing here, and we're happy hammers right now, thank God. Um, you, you got to come down to Full Circle Brewing and, and, and see the, you finally got to see our home. What did you think of the atmosphere that Full Circle provides for the Fresno Irons? So I will say that first off, it was every bit as magnanimous as I ever dreamed that it could be. But also the best part was as soon as I walked in the door, open arms from my one and only Tex, who was more than excited to see me walk in. And it was bizarre because at a 930, you'd think there would have been more of us chipper hammers. But, you know, they slowly trudged in the uh, the post-donut breakfast crowd, but we had donuts and booze ready to rock and roll for everybody. And honestly, it's, it's one of my favorite experiences to just stand there probably five feet from an incredibly large big screen TV or projection screen blocking the view for everybody else because they want to sit down. But you know what? We were on our feet the entire time hooting and hollering as we do. I, it was uh, it was a magical morning because West Ham actually found a way to get a win, and I was able to set off our bubble machine, thank <laughs> God, which was awesome because most of the time I, I get the bubble machine prepped and ready, and then the whole game ends, and I've got to set it off once. Sometimes I just set it off because I'm pissed off, and it makes me feel better. But West Ham, they come away with a win um, at St. Mary's against Southampton with a 1-0 victory. Um, they did they did dominate that first half. It was no. an absolutely beautiful game. Um, but then the second half came, and it was a little different. Now, we did see Antonio, who totally beasted out, and we're going to oh, talk yeah. about him a little bit later. He was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, West Ham definitely looked like the team on the front foot. And then in the 37th minute, we finally broke in um, when Antonio stole the ball, got it, sent it across to Fornells. Fornells, an unselfish header back to Allaire, and then Allaire smashes it into the ground. It takes a couple bounces and finds its way into the back of the net, uh, tucks it in the corner beautifully there um his first goal in eight matches thank god he's off the schneid um (laughs) praise the lord but uh, michael antonio clearly the the guy he was the gas driving that engine that day it was absolutely phenomenal performance but then the second half came and this is what always worries me with west ham united is we're clearly the better side, and we did not put them away. Multiple opportunities to do so. Um, an unlucky, uh, disallowed goal when, it, it, I have to admit, I think Antonio's arm was in an unnatural position. Um, he did slam home what we thought was the game-winning goal, but it got disallowed due to a handball. Um, by the letter of the law, it was correct. I, as much as it pains me, I hate to agree with it. But we were owned by Danny Ings. Oh, my God. We were in his back pocket, my friend. And it was, you know, it was one of those things where you almost like we even sat there looking up his age to be like, is he worth trying to put a bid in for? Because, I mean, at this point, you almost would assume that Southampton is going to go down at the end of the season and they're going to have to unload some of their higher quality uh, players to try to keep some funds 
to keep them surviving the championship. As we know, the championship is uh, through some financial dire straits, if you will. Uh, so I was, man, I was on pins and needles because there were just so many opportunities that he had to equalize and then to possibly put us away. I, it's it's frustrating because a one it was a one man show. As good as Mikel Antonio was for us, you could make the argument Danny Ings was that good for Southampton. Uh, he had a disallowed goal because of a foul in the build up. He had another one where he hit it beautifully. It hits the crossbar, bounces out. Thank God, and ends up not being able. And then he missed a total sitter, which was very uncharacteristic of him. Uh, it was it was tough. It was tough to watch him dominate us the way that he did. And you mentioned it. One of the things I wanted to bring up is Danny Ings, a player that West Ham United should be looking at in order to, one, weaken a side and make sure that they're going down and then possibly help us. And I think, I'm just going to go out and say it, I think Danny Ings is clearly a player that we should be looking at to bring in. Think about it with him partnered with Antonio. You'd have two guys that are absolute beasts that have no problem just completely weaving through traffic, muscling people off the ball, Look, I think Hilaire may finally be hitting his stride, and I guarantee he will be the player that we expect him to be. But Danny Ings was another level in this game. And it's frustrating to me when you think about we put Chelsea away at 1-0. You would never put Chelsea on the same level as Southampton, yet we struggled the same way with both teams. Think about the end of the Chelsea game when they put Willian in. He was lobbing in cross over cross. And we definitely struggled to keep the ball out of the back of the net in those last, let's say, 15 minutes. Southampton was probably even longer than that. I want to say it was a good 20, 25 minutes of the end of that game where we didn't think we were going to make it out alive. And that, that's the, You're hitting the nail on the head of what my problem is with West Ham United. We dominate the first half. We're clearly the better side. When you look at the talent level, there's a clear disparity there. Outside of Danny Ings, there's not a single player on their team that I want in mind. No, no. I don't want Redmond. I do no. not want him. I didn't, you know what? I, I, I didn't like him, but he did play well. Was that uh, Gineppo, the one that was the, the one that caused the foul for the disallowed goal for Danny Ings? But I thought he actually was a bit of a terror over on that left hand side, and he did well cutting into the box but even at that point it was still not the style of player that i think fits with our west ham squad and first off can't pronounce his name so there's no <laughs> point to buy him uh it's it's just it's frustrating. Yes, West Ham United came away with the win, but you you mentioned something a second ago and i think we need to really talk about this. How good was Mikel Antonio in that game? And it's it's so tough to to pinpoint which game he's been the best in cuz since he's come back from injury He's my go-to player. Like maybe not man of the match because he's got about a 70-minute engine and then he he's gassed out at that point. So you almost have to pull him and it's tough because we don't really have that solid replacement. Yeah, you could put in Jetty in there or if you want to go defensively minded, you throw in Carlos Sanchez, which was an interesting decision. But I really really do think that without Mikel Antonio, our attack is it's gone. I don't think, as we've seen, Elaire cannot. He's not sustainable as a solo striker. He's not even sustainable paired with somebody that doesn't battle the way that Antonio will. And we even called that out during the game. He was jogging after like thirty minutes, where he was not trying to pace onto the ball. He was not trying to apply pressure. He relied on Antonio to do that. Luckily. Pellegrini finally got his head out of his ass and played a 4-4-2 because it looked fantastic. Like you said, that first half, I think we definitely owned it. I think as the 
players started to get tired, and unfortunately, I don't think we have the impact players that we need off the bench to sustain that type of pressure. We're going to invite uh, uh, late goals, late equalizers. So we need to put those chances away. We need Antonio to go and get like hand minimization surgery or something <laughs> because this is two games in a row now that he's had disallowed goals because of those big, beautiful hands. I. Liam, I love you, but you are clearly wrong. We cannot put in our Jetty. Not no, at all. No. He is clearly not the player. Uh, I, that, that's, that is the prototype buy that West Ham makes and tries to sell to all the fan base that's good when we can't get the guy we're trying to get. So we, we go buy this guy in a league that nobody's ever heard of. Nobody can pronounce his name. I thought his name was Ariat for a long time. Oh, and, wow. and that, that's, that, that's my issue is that, that we can't play him. So you're, you're clearly wrong. But the one <laughs> One thing you are right on is that Antonio has to be on the pitch for us to have a chance. And the reason why is because he's a battle horse. He's going to go in there, he's going to do, and it's very clear that Antonio is a Batman and Allaire is a Robin. And that's just the way that I see them playing. I like Allaire. I like him a lot, but I don't think he's the $40 million buy that West Ham fans think he is. I think he is a beautiful additional piece he is the icing he is not the cake agreed and it's and think about it this way texas you've got you've got a striker issue that we have had to sustain for the entirety of the gold sullivan and brady uh, uh reign where we have We've had over 30 different strikers that have come through, and how many have actually made an impact? How many have been that striker, like Antonio, that is reliable week in, week out? And I get it. Antonio, early on, because <clears throat> what he came on from Nottingham Forest, I want to say was where yeah, we got Nottingham. him from. <clears throat> Pardon me. And he was, you know, uh, he, he wasn't the best addition to the locker room. He was, he was very pretty raw. raw. Uh, I think we we had a couple seasons ago some issues with him behind the scenes, but I think that he has acclimated to the group. He has become a, a core member. When you really think of the guys that you know will battle week in and week out, you know, Cresswell, Noble, Snodgrass, Antonio's in that group every single time. And I would rather have that... That group of players that we know, regardless of the result, are still going to give their all. I mean, Declan Rice, obviously, as well. He's the other one. Sorry. Sorry, Dak. Don't mean to leave you out. Uh, but it's how do we get an entire team to bring on that same mentality? How do we get them to buy in to what these guys have bought in? Or do we just still have a bunch of mercenary players that are here for a paycheck till a bigger club picks them up? No, oh, it's easy. I can I can fix this problem. You get a new manager. <laughs> if you if you want to get somebody, I, it, it cracks me up that you hear all these things where people sit there and go, "What's wrong with West Ham? We need West Ham guys. We need to go buy a West Ham guy." And then the first striker name you hear is some prima donna that puts gel in his hair before he goes out and plays. And and the West Ham's like, "Oh, we got to go buy him." No, we need a West Ham guy. We need a guy that's going to play by the scruff of his neck that represents the values of the club, that represents the part of London, the East End that we are in. And I think we get we we get romanticized sometimes by what these guys are and the truth is if you want to have west ham guys you build them through the academy yeah that's, you know that's, and true. that that's just what it comes down to for me nathan holland to me should play a big role gate crady diangana should be playing a massive role next year declan rice loves the club mark noble these names that i just listed you don't hear people saying sell these guys yeah oh, no. you might hear people bitch and complain about them but 
they don't want to get rid of them. And then other guys, well, if they don't want to be here, get rid of them. And my, my thing is we got to go find the West Ham guy. So how do you do that? You find them at 10, 11, 12 years old. You get them into the academy, and you build them up, and it takes time. But the guy like Antonio, like you mentioned, maybe he's got a little West Ham in him now because yeah. he was a little bit of a Madonna. He was kind of all about me. Look at me. Look at me. But now you don't hear a lot of that anymore. By the way, if you're not following Mikhail Antonio on Twitter, oh by my. far you need to follow him. He is absolutely incredible. Free plug for you there, Mikhail. Um, but I, I just I look at the situation that West Ham are in, and I, you're not going to like this, Liam, but we're in a relegation fight. Mm-hmm. And I don't care what anybody says. I don't care how good our talent is. We're in a relegation fight. We need to start acting like it. That means the players on the pitch that need to be there are the guys going to give you 110%. Robert Snodgrass doesn't need to come off. Mikhail Antonio doesn't need to come off. Declan Rice doesn't need to come off. Mark Noble doesn't need to come off. The names I'm giving you right now, these are how you're going to win these shitty matches that we get in against Southampton. Yeah. Like, you're going to have to have fighters out there. And that brings me to this point. I I said it already. I I think we need a new manager. I don't give a shit if you go to St. Mary's and win 1-0 against a team in 18th place. (laughs) Um so is this a good or bad result uh, for West Ham United since that means that Pellegrini's staying? What, what are your thoughts here? So it's a good result because it's three points, right? And regardless of who the manager is, you've got to go for the three points, especially when it's an away game. Because think about this now. We've taken three points from Stamford Bridge and now three points from St. Mary's, but we've given up six at home. So there, there is definitely that discrepancy where why are we playing better in our away matches than we do at home? Why is the fight stronger away from London Stadium than it is within London Stadium? And Pellegrini, being the grizzled old bastard that he is, had the audacity to come out and say, you have to win your home games. They're more important. Well, then, fucker, win the home games because you're not doing it. And we talked about this last week where even I am on the Pellegrini out train now, which I never thought I would get there because I very much am the... You know, if 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 he is the manager, if he's the man in charge, you still have to play for him. It's the same thing. Like you may have a shitty boss at work, you still have to work for him, or you go find another job. Same thing with these players; they can go find another club to pay for play for if they don't like the manager. But there is the mentality where it's easier to replace a manager than you know twenty three some odd players. But with this result. Yes, it extends Pellegrini's time, but there has already been reports that regardless of this result, they were still going to look to replace him. So I think that they probably give him up until the January transfer window, cut ties after Christmas or around Christmas, and then allow the next manager, caretaker, replacement, whatever you're going to do, to start building their next squad and moving forward from there. A lot of shouts for Eddie Howe right now. Uh, Harry Redknapp has basically been drooling his way back into <laughs> into uh, West Ham's graces, which, no offense, man, until Billy Bonds gives you, you the green light to come back, ain't no West Ham fan going to welcome you back into this club. And then, uh, un- uh, unfortunately, there's... They, there's been talk about um, uh, Marcerano, the the mastermind behind the Chelsea win. They're talking about letting him be the caretaker in the interim, which I guess he has a lot of respect to the guys. But Rice, Noble, somebody else also came out recently and said that the players all back the manager and they know they put him in a tough spot, but they don't want him to leave. They believe in what he's trying to achieve at West Ham. That might just be tactics because they're try- they're being told by the board to say these things. Or maybe it is something that they actually believe. I don't know the, the truth. I'm not in that locker room. But like Tex, when you really think about it, you pull Pellegrini 
are you going to bring somebody in that is going to make that impact? Do we get that good manager bounce? You cannot guarantee it. You're right. We can't guarantee it. But I'm going to tell you right now, it's a, you know, the question is asked, is it good or bad for West Ham? You said good. And, and I, I think on paper, yeah, you get three points. But I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you right now, I'll be pessimistic. It was a bad result for West Ham. Why? Because that means Pellegrini stays. Yeah. And this is my point. Pellegrini's got to get out. We got to get whoever it's going to be, caretaker or new manager, in. And the reason why is because they have to have time to assess the club. You get a lot of games in a short period of time right now in this holiday season in order for the for your new manager to assess what he has going into the transfer window so that he can say, this guy can stay, we can get rid of them, because the point is we're in a relegation fight. And I'm not going to sit there and think that we aren't, because right now – our form, we have two wins in 11 matches. Two wins in 11 matches. And that's some, and the majority of those matches, Liam, are against the bottom half of the table. And we only have two wins. So, regardless, if people think, oh, three points away in St. Mary's, I'm looking at the bigger picture here. I want West Ham to be great, just like every other West Ham supporter. But what I don't get is we have to stop being checkers players and we got to stop being chess players. Yeah. We got to be thinking three moves ahead here. And the fact is, Pellegrini's got to go. He's got to go. What, what I the dreaded the dreaded oh the players came out and said they support him. How many times have we seen that uh, an owner come out a player come out I fully support the manager next week headline manager sacked. We all, all right. know that. What happened to Billich? Everybody backed Billich and because none of them wanted him to go. He was a West Ham player. Why would you not want to keep him in charge of the of the club? And it and I get where you're what you're saying because there is this there was the the debate, right? Do you get the win, but you're stuck with Pellegrini, or do you take the loss and accept it because it allows him to be gone? And the, honestly, the re- as much as it sucks to keep him on, I would love to have taken the win and still see him go. Like Regardless of the result, I, I kind of hope that they were still going to ax him anyways because to me, that would have been fucking cutthroat if they had just straight up been like, hey, thanks for the win. We'll see you later and just ax him right then and there. Well, that's what a class club does. These are our expectations. We understand that you just beat Southampton, but it wasn't an impressive win. Yes. It's a 1-0 win. And it wasn't enough, like you said, because if we've got two wins in the last 11 matches and we only had, what, one, two draws? within that time frame as well. So that is a crap ton of losses that have amounted that as lost points. The reason I say I wanted to win, because at the end of the season, if we do remain in a relegation battle, that three points could be the difference between staying up and going down. I I 100% agree with that. And I understand that I'm I'm definitely taking the short side in this argument. But <laughs> you, you have to. We have to balance each other out here. <laughs> it's just, I mean, to me, when you really look hardcore at what we are as a team, I, I think people are getting getting out of out of hand here about how good this team is my expectations have dropped as we've dropped in the table so over 11 matches two wins two draws eight points over 11 matches if i'm wrong on that you can correct me but the point is always going to be this there is a standard that pellegrini came in with that he promised us that he said this is what we're going to be and we're not and not only are we not we're egregiously not yeah and if we're egregiously not then obviously it's not working. I can keep putting peanut butter on my steak, but if you keep telling me it tastes like shit, I can't sit there and go, no, it's right. No, it's right. (laughs) It's never going to work. Peanut butter doesn't belong on steak. And if you think it does, you're fucking crazy. (laughs) So it's just really what I look at it is this. I'm I'm wishing here. I know I'm wishing, but it's the Christmas season, Liam. And maybe this is the time you and I write our Christmas lists 
for what we want in West Ham's January transfer window. So, Liam, I want three things that you want. doesn't necessarily have to be players, but it's three things that you want from West Ham United for Christmas that would make you the happiest hammer of all. So there's... <clears throat> There's the three impossible things that you would ask for, right? And But there's the three more realistic things. So the three impossible things is I would love a new board, a new manager, and I'd love the bowling ground to be rebuilt so we can move back to the bowling. Let's just stop right there. That's beautiful. That's it, right? That's the three that every hammer wants to be really to have a happy Christmas. But the, the more realistic things... I would love to see this stadium renovated so that there are seats that are closer to the pitch. I still feel as great as it was to have our claret carpet, the I, I this the layout still feels dis, disengaged, right? Where it doesn't feel like we're sitting on top of the pitch. The biggest complaint I've heard from so many people that are able to go to the London Stadium is that it's not the fortress that the Bolin was. That uh, opposing teams used to hate having to travel down Green Street and and bring the bus into the Bolin because they would be hammered, they would be uh, you know berated the entire way in. So their spirits are already diminished by the time they're even hitting the lack, the dressing room regardless of even when they when they make their way to the pitch. So I think that we we don't have the atmosphere that we need to feel like this is our home. And I think that's where we we falter when it comes to our home matches. So I think that there there needs to be a change in the the uh, layout of the London Stadium. Costs be damned, you're a bunch of, you know, uh, porn moguls, you've got money, make it work. The 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 second thing, I think that there is Something that we talked about last week was that there's still something rotten at the core of this club. And I think that we need to figure out exactly what that is, whether it is the board, whether it is just the mentality of the of the players, of us as fans. We, we've said we are a fickle group. We will quickly turn on people. Snodgrass was a recent one that as soon as he had a bad game, everybody wanted him relegated to the championship. So I think that we need to find the spirit of what made us West Ham fans to begin with. Because at the end of the day, it's not the stadium we play in. It's not the manager that's on the pitch. It's the people on, on the pitch that are wearing the badge. And that's who we need to support. So I get it. Pellegrini out. I get it. London Stadium sucks. I, or not that it sucks, it just doesn't have the same atmosphere. And I get it that the board does not have the same vested interest in the club that we do as supporters. But at the end of the day, we are still supporters. So I would say instead of Christmas spirit, get your West Ham spirit back out of the box and put it back on your chest um, over your heart where it belongs. And then the third thing, give me another fucking striker. Give me somebody that it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be a hundred million dollar Luis Suarez that's going to backheel chip the 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 keeper into the box. But give me somebody that is a third option. We do not have a viable third option up front. So if Alaire can't find his stride after this last game, if Antonio gets injured again, we have no backup, and we need somebody that is going to challenge. I would love a three man striker team that they're battling for which two get to be up front, and the benefit of that is other teams will never know what pairing we're putting up till game day. So it's that much harder for them to prepare. Right now, they know that's going to be our go-to. So when we go up against Crystal Palace away, they're going to know, close down the two strikers. You need two men on Antonio. Hilaire is not going to outrun your, your pacey defensive midfielder. I, I, I like your list. I don't love it. How I, dare you? With I that like Santa Claus list. beard, you still? How dare you? <laughs> you know, I'm trying. I, I, I'm trying. 
there, there's a couple things we need to add to your list. That, <laughs> let me just put it that way. I, I think I think you hit the nail on the head on a few things. Um, I think the London Stadium needs to be looked at. Uh, there is definitely something rotten in the club. Um, but asking for a striker, it's very clear. At some point, you gotta you gotta you gotta know what you're good at. We're not good at buying strikers, so we're not. We're really good at buying midfielders that can score goals. And I I think that you know you put your money where your mouth is. Go get what you're good at. So that's kind of my thing. If if you if you ask me, here's the three things that I really want West Ham United to do for me for Christmas. Number one, I want Pellegrini out. And I don't don't listen to any West Ham fan. We are fucking idiots sometimes, okay? <laughs> well, all of us, including myself, we are we are checkers players. We don't think before we talk. We we live in the moment and you know, we are literally like little kids on Twitter. Like that's what we are. And so it's frustrating. So don't listen. I want you to walk up to Mark Noble, Declan Rice, Robert Snodgrass, Mikhail Antonio, the guys that we should be investing in. I want to go who do you guys want as the manager? Good call. That's yeah, what I wanted to do. So number one thing is stop listening to the noise. Listen to your players. Who do they believe in? And then back that man 100%. If that's Pellegrini, I'll shut my mouth about it. But I don't think it is. And so I, I think that's the number one thing I want. Listen to what you have, li- where your money is made. Number two, the second thing I want West Ham United to do is in this January transfer window, Go buy players that want to work. No more luxury players. I want guys like Danny Ings for Southampton to join West Ham United because Danny Ings is a freaking, I mean, pardon my French, but he's a cunt. Yeah. He's going to get out there. He's going to work his ass off. He is a, if you play against him, you don't want to play against him. What you want to do is you want that guy on your team because you know, if he gets the ball and has an opportunity, he's taking it. Yeah. We are too passive on this West Ham attack right now. Way too passive. And I want to have, want guys out there that want to score the goals like Mikel Antonio. And I absolutely think that is the number one thing. Stop trying to go buy all these pretty things. Go buy West Ham. Ham players. And the final thing that I want more than anything else, okay, is I want the West Ham supporters on Twitter. I want the cream to rise at the top, Liam. Yeah. Because too often it is like if West Ham lose, I'm not getting on Twitter and I'm not because it's just horrendous. The things that I read. And that's one that I feel like I could get. Like if you listen to this podcast, be a good West Ham fan. No when to bitch, no when not to. Um, it's kind of one of those situations. Uh, that's the those are the three things that I want. I don't feel like I'm asking for a lot. No, I think I think your list was was almost flawless. Almost. That means it was still better no, than yours. No, it was still That's better than mine. I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you the nod on that one. No, honestly, I think with with Danny Ings, but I would like to see it expanded. Like what other bastards in the league right now like if you could cherry pick from teams that are mid-table we're obviously we're not going to ever buy anybody from like the top six but if you could think of you know pulling somebody from your crystal palaces pull somebody from wolves right now like who else could you think of because the one that i always think kind of comes to the list but apparently he turned us down was zaha wilfred zaha from from crystal palace i think he's a right 
jolly bastard that would probably slot in pretty well in terms of style of play. I think his attitude would piss off Mark Noble and he'd choke slam him in the middle of the pitch. And that's exactly why I don't want him. I want guys that are going to mesh with the team. The number one guy I want is an East End boy, John Joe Shelby. Oh, you go love get, John Joe. Hell go yeah. get John Joe from Newcastle. Uh, yes. He wanted to come to us. Newcastle blocked it because Newcastle knows what they have. Yes. Um, but he he's a number one player on my list in the January transfer window. I don't know if we can get a guy like Danny Ings. I, I'm using Danny Ings as more of an example but if there's one guy that we can get to bolster where we're already good but he's going to make everybody better around him that's john joe yeah and i would love to see john joe on the team um you know it's just being a west ham supporter you know you come into this and you have to understand what you're supporting you're supporting a, a team that clearly has hopes and desires but their flashlight's not working and they always tend to take the wrong road to get to where they ultimately want to be and we need a we need somebody to come in that's got a West Ham claret and blue flashlight that can shine that light down the proper road for us to walk down and understand as West Ham fans we might have to be patient yeah i'm not saying that means we're going to have to get relegated but you know we we don't have the depth and it was been it's been shown when fabianski went down Look how bad we got. My God. And so, yeah, we're not Liverpool. We can trot out a $30 million player when our $60 million player got hurt. That's not us. We have a $40 million player, and then we're we're trotting out an academy guy after that most of the time. Well, but even look at with Liverpool, like their keeper goes down, but Adrian suddenly stands on his head to make some crazy saves. So it's, you, you look at it, too, as are we letting players go at the wrong time? Are we holding on to some players for too long? Or, as you said, are we misidentifying the players we think we need because they're flashy players, because they're the prima donna high-profile player? Oh, we dropped a record-breaking $40 million on a striker that has scored scored only one goal more right two goals more than our left back like let's be honest here there is definitely still some opportunity here so like we talked about before there is a a a problem at the core but maybe us as west ham players just need to or fans just need to be more supportive and more patient (laughs) patience is the key maybe that's top of the christmas list patience (laughs) (laughs) i like that i like that maybe maybe with that that's a life lesson well done life lesson uh you know I think one thing all West Ham fans would really like is uh, let's talk about this fixture realignment bullshit because that's what it is. Um, Obviously, West Ham do not play this weekend. We we should have a match with Liverpool. But as you mentioned to me in our pre-production meeting, as a favor to Liverpool, the match has been postponed due to Liverpool's other engagements that they have going on at this time. Um, like Champions League. What the hell is that? I mean, Champions League, who gives a shit? Well, that and, and it's Club World Cup. Like, you're telling me you had to move our game from them because they have the Club World Cup on the 21st? Like, come on now. It's You really think that they are going to value that on the same level as they would gaining an additional potential three points from us in the league table? Like, this is insanity to me. But this is absolutely the league kowtowing to the top clubs. It's it's frustrating because um, you and I are West Ham fans. My my Honestly... One thing I love about being a Fresno Iron is knowing that every Saturday morning I'm going to get to wake up and I'm going to get to go down to Full Circle Brewing Company and I'm going to get to hang out with my family because that's what we're called, the Fresno Irons family. And we get to sit there and hang out and watch West Ham United. And I look forward to that. So anytime the Premier League does shit like that, and I'm sure anybody listening to this right now that you have your home local group, you enjoy that Saturday morning or for you guys on the East Coast, the Saturday afternoon, um, because out here on the West Coast, 
it's early. Yes. Um, but I think it's, it's frustrating because we enjoy being together. Like we're West Ham fans. We like hanging out together, like being around, um, our supporter group and we're robbed of it due to things like this. And I look, Look, Liverpool, go win the Club World Cup. Like, let me tell you. <laughs> Add it you know, to that trophy case. Let, let me tell you. You know how you uh, – I'm a high school teacher. And any uh, times uh, I used to coach sports. And when you would go to the opposing school, um, I used to hear our players talk about our JV team's going to win. And I used to sit there and tell our players all the time, nobody gives a shit about JV championships. You need to understand that now. And go walk into any gym – you're not going to see a JV championship banner. No school is going to sit there and go, oh, we won the JV 2009. Like, nobody's going to do that. Back-to-back championships, bro. And it's kind of my thing. Are you going to accept that trophy from the Club World Club? Yeah, you're going to accept it. And if I'm a West Ham United fan and we won that, I would be happy. But it would never near have the value of winning the Premier League or winning the Champions League. Those are the two trophies held above all. And this is what frustrates me. If we're getting moved for the Champions League... I'm going to bitch, but I understand. For sure. But I, I'm not ever going to understand getting moved for the Club World Cup. No. And it, to me, like we said, it is favoritism to, and I get it because Liverpool is going to have the ex, the external uh, commitments that they have, but why would the Premier League not put pressure on the Club World Cup to say, no, you move. We're the fucking Premier League. Like our fixtures stand, you figure out when you want Liverpool to play flamenco. Get off your high horse. Get it to fucking gather. And let's also admit, Flamingos, that's an animal. It's not a club name. Let's no, be not, real, guys. Not, not at all. Come on, grow up. You know, when we were little, we liked to call our team the Scorpions, and we got older, realize how dumb of a name that is. Yes. It's it's when you it's when you uh, play the, the youth leagues, and everybody has like the most random name team names, and you start looking at the parents like, you did you let the kids pick the name this this season? Is that what happened? It's the Hot Wheels against the chocolate chip cookies. What? I, don't, I don't know what's happening right now. I mean, well, because of that move, and as much as it upsets you and I, and the Fresno Irons will not be meeting this weekend, along no. with no other West Ham supporter group. Our next match is now on Boxing Day, the twenty sixth of December, and we travel to Selhurst Park to take on Crystal Palace, another London derby. Oh yes. So I, I've got to ask you this: This is um, kind of another big game for Pellegrini, um, another big game for West Ham United. Um, I, I think if we lose this game convincingly, we could see him axed right afterwards. Agreed. Um, which I would uh, love to see happen, but. Now, let's look at this matchup with Crystal Palace. We obviously know their danger man is Wilfred Zaha. Um, we know they have a few pieces that have given us problems in the past, like Andres Townsend. Um, he has the ability to find the net at any point on the field. Um, but West Ham United, we, we have the ability to go play well, as you saw in the first half. But for some reason, we do not have the killer instinct. So knowing that, what do you expect to see in this game versus what you think you will actually see? Well, I think it's probably not going to be a far cry from what we saw when we played them at London Stadium. You know, I, I feel like it's probably going to be a back and forth. These clubs do not like each other. Uh, the, our midfielders absolutely hate Zaha, so I think there will be a lot of fouls. I fully expect Nobes to pick up a yellow card, probably Declan as well. There's, I think it, it, I don't think it'll be an open game. I think it'll be cagey. I think everybody will play more defensively minded than a, than attacking minded, especially on our end. But there is that part of me that really wants us to play that four four two again and have Antonio and Hilaire just go up there and punch him right in the face. 
my hope is that we we pull out the points just because it would be nice to move ourselves further and further away from that relegation zone. My actual pres- prediction, I, I expect it to probably be a draw. It's either going to be a, I think it'll probably be a one, one. Uh, I don't think it'll be a high scoring game. So I'll, I'll stick with the one, one. I, I'm going to tell you right now, this game is, um, it's going to come down to the team selection for me. When I see that team selection on the morning of the 26th and see what West Ham is going to put out there, um, that's going to ultimately determine for me what this game's going to be. And I'll make it simple for you. If Antonio and Allaire in again, I think we have a really good shot to win the game. And the reason why is because Antonio can play his Batman role and Allaire can play off of him. And I think that's going to be a beautiful thing that we're going to start to see. Um, but Mikel Antonio, to me, has proven that he needs to be playing every minute that we have him healthy. Um, you know, I think we obviously he's, you know, you hear a lot about this in the NBA right now with load management. I think we definitely need to manage what he does because he is so injury prone and we need to keep him healthy. But if he's out there and we're doing well, I I like some of the things we're doing. I think we're always going to be spotty in the back right now. I think that whatever's happening until Fabianski gets back, which could be sooner rather than later, I've heard. And yep. also Manuel Lanzini could be on that train as well, which always helps, even though Lanzini hasn't done much this year. When you look at that situation, I, I think you it's not a far cry to say that if West Ham play two up top, they have a real legit shot to win. And I want to ask you this. Watching that game, and this is, this is kind of getting to what I think I'm going to see, West Ham were far more dangerous in that game against Southampton when we played counterattacking football. Yeah. Like when we just played the counter game and soaked up the pressure and then got on those breaks with our speed because we are one of the fastest teams that can throw forward in the Premier League right now. My, my thing is hopefully Pellegrini saw what I saw and goes, maybe we need to start playing more of a counterattacking game instead of trying to play this beautiful pass, pass, pass because we're just not good at it. No, we – we're slow to move in transition, so we lose the ball a lot in midfield and especially on the wings. We had a similar backline. Uh, 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 um, what do I want to say? Uh, backline setup in terms of where they were placed in the pitch. We didn't see that high line that they tried to push all the way up towards midfield. I think they did hang back a little bit, not so much that it was creating too much of a gap uh, and a lack of uh, connection between the backline and the midfield. So I would like to see us not park the bus, if you will, but sit back a little bit, absorb some of that pressure, and then be able to, as you said, counterattack. And we really, when you think of Crystal Palace, right, as you said, you know, Townsend, Zaha, those are probably their biggest goal, um, their goal scoring threats. And as I go through this entire season, they have never scored more than two goals in a, in, a, in a single game. So yeah, we're not exactly a goal scoring machine ourselves, but you look at their last couple fixtures, right? So they had a one zero win over Bournemouth. They had a two zero win over Burnley, uh, a two one loss to Liverpool, a two zero loss to Chelsea. And before that, a two zero loss to, uh, to Leicester. So any of the higher ranking teams, they're not even putting the ball in the back of the net. Anybody that's mid and lower table, it is that KG two one, one, one match. Yeah. I- I think I think you're I think you're right. Um, I think they're way better defensively than we are. Um, I think that uh, they're pretty solid back there with what they have and the pieces in the back. Um, what I expect to see in this match, Liam, it's very simple. I expect to see two up top, and I expect us to, to see us play more of a counterattacking game because that's where we made our hay against Southampton. I also think that's ultimately going to help us get more organized in the back if Pellegrini does it. 
What am I actually going to see? We're going to see one up top. <laughs> We're going to see Pellegrini be stubborn again. Well, we, we got the win. I might as well, you know, here's where there's original. Let's just go with what I know. And right. what, what, you've, what you know doesn't fucking work, buddy. <laughs> it doesn't. And so... Uh, I think we're going to see one up top. We're going to struggle to score goals. We're going to struggle to see any type of connection between our midfield and our attacking force, and it's going to be very frustrating. And I ultimately think uh, West Ham's going to fall in this game 2-0. Yes, yeah. I'm pessimistic, but that's just what I think. Um, so you have a, a, a draw prediction at 1-1, I yeah. believe is what you said. I said I said 2-0 to Crystal Palace. Who are your goal scorers? So or who I, is your goal scorer? I'm going to go with uh, Allaire actually does put it in into the back of the net, and I think that Antonio gets another one chalked off, either for offsides, for uh, a missed foul, or for another handball that he's becoming so well known for. I think West Ham's going to hit the post four times, but none of them are going to go in. Oh, break my heart. I know. That's, that's just what I see happening. Uh, saying all that, who is your man of the match? Hmm. I don't know. I, I think Antonio probably. I, I, I feel like he's just in it to battle, and I think especially for a London derby like this, I think having him battle in, against Crystal Palace will be that easy, the easy bet, if you will. So if not him, it's going to be Mark Noble because he's going to be bossing that midfield and absolutely putting people into their graves. Liam, I'm so disappointed. Why are you forgetting about the only man on the pitch that's constantly giving us 110% every time he's out there? The one, the only, the man from Scotland, Robert Snodgrass. <laughs> Freedom! Like, that's the guy. That, I mean, Snodgrass is going to get man of the match. The reason why is because he always puts in a shift. Even he when he's bad, at least he's going to make a great foul. Yeah. I mean, th th that's why I love Snodgrass. I'm never going to shit on him. I know that West Ham fans... Love to shit on him any time that he plays. If, if, if he ate a French fry wrong, West Ham fans would be like, "Sell his ass!" You yeah, know, it's just, much. it's frustrating. He ate so, it with mayonnaise. How dare he? You know what? That guy. I, I'll eat him. I'll eat mayonnaise with you, Snotty. <laughs> with I'll eat mayonnaise with you. Spoon to the jar. All right, that brings us into uh, my favorite part of the show. It's time for our yellow and red cards. Liam, do you have a yellow card? Of course I do, and it's actually your yellow card from last week, which is to VAR. So yet again, we had another goal chalked off. We did figure out after the fact that, yes, his arm was slightly unnatural. He kind of like pumped it out straight, which was bizarre. So I get it. Like They did catch it, but... It's not about that. It's about the two-man takedown in the box that shouldn't have just been one penalty. should have been fucking two penalties. So not only does uh, one defender have his arm wrapped around Antonio's neck as he throws him to the ground, but then the other defender jumps into the back of Hilaire, not just falls into him. You see him jump, leaving his feet to basically tackle from behind. And VAR did look at it and determined... No penalty. You'd be fucking shitting me at this point. There is there is a distinctive problem that if you're going to roll out VAR and claim that, hey, it's to get the, the, the close calls right. It's to make sure that we're not just favoring the big clubs. Well, you are. And it's very apparent when something that if it Liverpool had, if it had happened to Liverpool, if it happened to, uh, to Tottenham, if it had happened to Man City, absolutely it would have been a penalty and the dude would have gotten a red card and they would have played a man down. But for West Ham, no, 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 play on. Do you, do you need a towel to dab that head? Because that's a lot of emotion for a yellow card. I'm still, I'm literally, I have watched that 
like 20 different times and I get more and more angry every time I watch it. I just want everybody to know I'm sitting in a room with them and if you've ever seen a cartoon with somebody getting red and the steam coming off, like that that's where Liam is right now. The throbbing vein. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Liam is a little frustrated right now. So that's a lot of emotion for a yellow card. Uh my my yellow card's gonna go to Manuel Pellegrini. The double fist pump after he win. Whoa, 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 buddy. Whoa. <laughs> Pull it back. You just escaped with a win against Southampton when they had a goal disallowed, they hit the crossbar, and they missed a sitter, all by Danny Ings. But I'm, I'm going to say something. Whoa, pump the brakes there, buddy. Like, I don't think that you have a right to celebrate. I think you should you should calm it down. I'm giving you a yellow card because you got the win, but I'm not happy with the way the team looked. We should have put them away in the 60th minute, and we didn't. And that is a that is an indictment on you for not motivating the players enough. And it's just frustrating. So that's where my yellow card goes. Hit me with your red. Uh, red card's going to go to the officials that are behind VAR because it's it's one thing to blame the system, and I get it. The system obviously. <sighs> There are opportunities with it, but when you really think of it and the core, they are able with that video technology to get these calls right. It's just the officials that are behind it are still prone to human error. So until we get officials that are properly trained, get the get rid of Mike Dean. He obviously can't handle it. So we got to hold on. Um, anytime you say Mike Dean on this podcast, we say fuck Mike Dean. <laughs> Sorry, Any, you got to get fuck fuck Mike Dean. You got to get rid of him and. Ultimately, you have to get these guys better trained. They have to understand exactly what they're looking at, and you have to have parity across the board. You cannot favor the larger clubs. You cannot just always favor the bigger names because at that point, this is a broken system. It is in. It is absolutely fallible, and you will not have the support of the people. We are already pissed off in the fact that we cannot properly celebrate a goal because there is always that fear that they're going to pull it back. And ultimately, for us, it seems to happen week in and week out. I, I, I red like, card for you, buddy. <laughs> my red card is very simple. It goes to the Premier League for moving fixtures and robbing me of this Saturday to spend time with my adopted family, the Fresno Irons. Red card to you. I'm just going to let you know right now, that's a lump of coal in your stocking Premier League <laughs> fixtures, people. That's a lump of coal, and it will not be made into a diamond. Uh, I was going to say, spoiler alert, that coal is actually shit. <laughs> we shit in your stocking. <laughs> yeah, you know, they call, you know we're, we're calling the poop shit, so I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie on that. If you understood that reference message us because that's a great reference right there um i'm just going to tell you right now that's where my red card goes and that brings us to the end of our show as sad as it is um i want to say thank you to everybody who allows us the opportunity the american hammers network tim and lee for providing us this platform and also to my new partner in crime liam bright thank you for brightening my day of course um, it's time for uh, shameless plugs. Liam, what do you got? So, of course, uh, before we, we send ourselves off here, we're going to make sure that you guys know that uh, you got to look up and support the entire network. So make sure that you are subscribing on YouTube, that you're visiting AmericanHammersTV.us. You're also going to HHTV.Threadless.com to make sure that you're buying those last-minute Christmas gifts. Make sure that you're uh, supporting not just American Hammers Network, but also providing something nice for the loved ones in your life. Because at the end of the day, nothing says I love you like American Hammers Network. And then ultimately at the end of the day, make sure that you're following us on Twitter and Instagram. If you go on the Instagram, it's American Hammers Radio. If you go on Twitter, it is AH Radio WHU. Uh, and then as always, you could follow each of us individually at Fresno Irons and at Liam Bright, but we prefer that you guys follow the radio show because I guarantee you as we continue to steamroll into this, we're going to have more fun and exciting behind the scenes content for you guys. So jump on there now, get in there early and 
And eventually, maybe we'll have you on as part of American Hammers Radio. And let me tell you, it would be an absolute blast. I'll even shower for that one. Um, I'm just going to tell you right now, here in Fresno, we do something very special, and I encourage all supporter groups to do the same. Um, all Fresno supporter groups, there is a total of eight of us. We all unite under the banner of 559FC. Uh, 559 is the Fresno area code, if you're unaware. Um, and I want to give a shout-out to 559FC. If you want to check out the Facebook page, it's at 559FC. Also, the Twitter handle is 559FC. Um, also want to give a shout-out to the Fresno Irons uh, home. That is Full Circle Brewing Company. If you would like to find out all about Full Circle beers, feel free to message the Fresno Irons and maybe magically you'll find some in your stocking. Uh, once again, I want to say thank you to Liam for uh, providing uh, me with phenomenal commentary and being my partner in crime this evening. Um, once again, thank you to all who listen. And as always, come, come on, on, you Irons. irons.